hello, hello, welcome, welcome, hello, and welcome to the live stream. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dansfish.com. Glad you could join us. Thanks for being here. Um, and yeah, we're going to have a great time nerding out about fish tonight. So the first thing we're going to do is our, our weekly shipment report, which will consist of two weeks because I uh, was out last week due to an illness. Sorry about that. That doesn't happen often, but... I had a uncontrollable cough, and I didn't figure an hour and a half of basically watching me cough randomly in these long episodes would uh, would be that entertaining for folks. So <laughs> decided to not go last week. So I've got a shipping report for two weeks for you, um, and we have a giveaway: some amazing cichlids that are pretty uncommon but pretty cool. I'll tell you about those, and then. Uh, update you about the build of the new fish store and then we will um <laughs> get his aquatics and exotics i came for the coffee and then we'll get to your questions and comments so that's the docket for the night um i'm i apologize i i have a cough drop in my mouth it's just to prevent the endless hacking so um hopefully it's not too annoying it's these guys seems to be one that works pretty good um, in his long lasting. So hopefully, hopefully that'll get us through. Um, feeling a lot better, um, a lot less coughing, but still like just randomly it'll happen. And I feel fine in every other way. It's just like, I've got a little feather back there tickling my throat and I get this from time to time. I've had it before, uh, usually with seasonal changes like we're going through right now. So, uh, just part of being me, I guess. Anyway, with that, let's get to the shipment report. So, um, since last we met, it's been two weeks, and things have gone pretty well. We've lost two fish, um, if I'm remembering correctly. I think I am. One was a Melanotania caladiri, uh, arrived with a bunch of rainbows, and just for some reason, one of the caladiri had arrived alive, but did that thing where it mysteriously didn't do well and died within a couple days. So that was one. The other was when we sent out Monday that arrived yesterday. Um, it was one of a good-sized group of uh, rainbows. Uh, what was it? It was uh, Melanotania rubrovitata. So the red laser wapoga or wapoga red laser rainbow that arrived. Um, and it, it arrived in rough shape. It was laying on its side and not doing well and, and died shortly after. I believe... I've got this tickling in the back of my brain that I'm missing one, but since it's been two weeks, I might be missing one. I... Oh no, here's what I'm missing. It wasn't a death. The other issue we've had is we've sent out a couple hundred uh, Melanotania Kalitawa, so a lot of them. There's been two that had issues. Um, and what they are is one of the first batch we sent the tail was damaged. And then we got a note yesterday that one of the ones we sent Monday, the tail was damaged. We work really hard not to send any fish with damaged fins. Uh, we check them all multiple times. But I think a couple things can happen. One is they're small and colorless. And so the tail is hard to see. It's a colorless tail. So you take a look and it's not obvious always that something's wrong. So sometimes maybe something skips by us, but I think more probably 
we pull the fish, we check them, they look good. And then I think maybe when we do their water change, sometimes they thrash in the net. And sometimes my big King Kong sausage fingers, I'm really careful, but it's like King Kong handling a mouse, right? Um, and sometimes I think I might, one in every few thousand fish, inadvertently damage a fin while I'm doing the water change and netting them and all that. So uh, we try really hard not to, but I'm sure occasionally that happens. And I suspect that might be what happened to the two Tawa, although I, I, I can't know for sure. But the good news is um, we have a report from the first one that they got oh, a week and a half, two weeks ago, that it's the tail's growing back already and it seems to be doing fine. Um, and the other one we're keeping an eye on and I'm sure it'll grow back fine. Usually it does. So that's that's the issues. Um, two that arrived alive but then passed away shortly after and two that had uh, not horribly damaged tails but some damage to the tail fin that grew back and is, I think, growing back. Um, one, we have a mystery. I sent out two betta pugnacks, uh, what, two weeks ago, I think. Maybe more, actually. A little while ago. And one of them is doing great, and the other one is not eating. And we were racking our brains trying to figure out what it could be, because they were doing fine here. And the owner emailed me today, and it was like, I have an idea. It, it appears that maybe what it is, is... I thought I sent two females, but maybe one's male and is holding eggs. So it looks like it might have its buccal cavity distended. So in which case, yeah, perfectly reasonable explanation of what's going on, that uh, maybe there's a male holding eggs. Or I don't know if two female bettas, because they sure look like females to me, I don't know if two female betta pugnacks would ever breed and one would hold. I suppose that might be a possibility. I, I've never experienced that, but... Maybe that's happening. Don't know for sure. But that's that's all the things. Apart from that, everything else, as far as I know, is has uh, gone really well. Um, it was rough last week, though. We shipped Monday and everything went fine. We bagged all the fish Tuesday to ship Wednesday. And then there was a, that big ice storm. But we didn't know for sure what it would be yet. Tuesday night, it was like, oh, this might be a real thing. And Wednesday morning when we checked, we were like, my friends in Chicago were already getting hammered. And so we decided not to ship Wednesday. So we had to postpone all those orders, um, contact all the customers, return all the fish to the tanks. And this week we've been playing catch up because we had to reship all those fish. So it's been... Um, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. It's funny, you you know, in hindsight, it's like, why'd you even bag the fish in the first place? That was a bad storm. But oh, I'm going to turn down my mic. It seems like I'm a little hot. Hopefully I'm not hurting anyone's ears. Um, and again, for those just joining, I've got a cough drop in my mouth. I, I'm sorry if that's gross or I make slurpy sounds or like click it against my teeth or something. I'll try to remember not to. <laughs> but I'm what you call hardly housebroken. Um so anyway, the issue I run into with weather is we always check the weather on every shipment. And there's lots of times when there's these severe weather warnings and the weather people, um, meteorologists, I suppose, that report the weather are saying this could be horrible and that could be horrible and all that. I think that what happens is, and, and then usually it's not, I think that the, the 
weather reporters and the folks that deal in weather news have like a vested interest in making it as dramatic as possible, right? Because then we'll go watch and tune in. And so it's hard for me to tell what's hyperbole with the weather reports and what's like, oh, this one is one we really need to watch out for because they're all horrible, right? They're all going to be this big thing as far as they're reported. And most of them never are, but I'm glad we did not ship last Wednesday because, um, it it looks like it was the real deal. (laughs) It was a big problem. Ice storms where the UPS hub is lots of snow, things shut down. In fact, Monday, they were still recovering this week a little bit. We did send shipments out. We sent everything out that was going west. Anything going east of the Rockies, we did not ship. Everything going west, we did ship. And I thought that would be okay, but I learned something. We had several delays. Oh, that's the other thing. I I did have another box of fish that did not do well. I'll tell you, it was delayed. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, So... I thought everything going west of the Rockies would be fine because the storm was on the other side, right? But even though there wasn't a big storm there, still somehow all the finagling they had to do on the eastern side of the Rockies, canceled flights and all that, still slowed shipping way down for everything that was going to California and Oregon and Washington and west of the Rockies, right? So I think the lesson there is if there's a real bad storm, in one location, one area, um, maybe don't ship at all, even though it's like California was fine, just because it seems to have ramifications through the whole, somehow, somehow a big shutdown um, in the Ohio Valley will affect boxes going to California, even though those boxes go from Billings directly to California. And so, We did have two that were delayed um, in a long time. One shipped Wednesday, like it didn't arrive till Monday of this week. Um, So they were delayed quite a bit. One box arrived fine, despite the delay. I was going to California, so it was warmer. One got delayed for a while in Billings, and it was super cold. Those did not make it. So there was an order of Milanotinia Picta that did not make it. That's the other one that was tickling the back of my brain that I forgot earlier. So... um, but note to self, like if there's a big storm in the east, don't ship west. If there's a big storm out west, maybe don't ship east. So I'm saying this so that hopefully if you ever order and you get a message from us saying like, and this only happens once or twice a year, by the way, this isn't all the time. But if we say, hey, there's a bad storm in this part of the nation, so we can't ship, you'll be like, but I'm not over there, right? I'm in Florida, this storm's in Oregon, or I don't know what it would be, but um, it just seems to have ramifications through the entire system when that happens. So I just want to bring that up so you understand why, if we tell you we can't ship because of weather, and your weather's great, that's why. Somewhere it's really bad, and that's going to affect all the shipments for some reason. It just seems like that's how the, the system works, or doesn't work. <laughs> okay, I think that... I've talked about that enough. Um, Now, even though I had to do those um, report on that, the thing that I want to make sure everyone knows is there were tons of fish that were sent out the last few days. Um, It was all four of us working full bore to get them all done the last few weeks. And so it's, it's, it's horrible when any fish has a problem. 
But when you look at the numbers, we're still doing really well. We're just shipping out so many more fish now as we grow that, you know, the reports are going to get it longer. In fact, it might get to the point where instead of mentioning the individual fish that don't do well, I just report on percentage. Like here's our, here's our rate. Here's where we're at. Because I know if we start shipping enough fish, even if a tiny, tiny percentage have an issue, it could, it could get very doom and gloomy. <laughs> so I, I don't want... I think we can skew the perspective um, as every week when we get on and, and give you the honest, transparent truth about how shipping went, um, we only talk about the problems. And so it can make it, I think it can skew the perception that, uh, oh, there's all these problems. There's not. There's very, very few, like less than 1%. It's it's very small percentage overall. So we just make sure we talk about them because we made that commitment and we're going to keep doing it. Anyway, that's the shipment report. Not perfect. Um, but for having massive ice storms and massive problems and stuff, um, and for the number of fish we shipped, it's still it's still within. When you look at statistics, I don't want to say it's fine. It's never fine when fish you know don't do well. But when you look at it statistically, it's still what we would expect, more or less. I missed a super chat from Alexander Engelhart. Hey, Alexander, good to see you. Hope you're doing well. Dan's anti ASMR stream. <laughs> Thank you, Alexander. Appreciate it very, very much. And uh, yeah, hopefully I don't cough on you while I'm doing this. All right, let's get to the giveaway. We've got a pretty cool fish to give away. Um, this is a cichlid that is is pretty uncommon. And I don't even know how to say the species name, so I'm going to show it to you. It's Guyanacara. Um, or these come from French Guyana and Suriname. In the species I have, I think, I don't know for sure, it's kind of impossible to tell these apart, for me anyway, the different species. But I think it's this one that I don't want to try to pronounce. Orowefe? I'm going to go with that. Orowefe. Um, they are kind of like the geophagus of that region of South America. So if you think of a geophagus, or perhaps a gymnogeophagus, um, I would say they're fairly similar to those, meaning that they are not super aggressive, which is nice. So the same temperament as a gymnogeophagus or a geophagus, which they're cichlids. You're still going to get some aggression sometimes, especially during spawning. But it's not that hyper aggressive thing like your bumblebee cichlid from uh, Lake Malawi, you know, that will just take everything out for no reason. It's not that. So I would say temperament-wise, you know, fairly fairly good. This is one that you could keep in a community aquarium. Um, they don't get too big. The, the largest I've seen them in an aquarium is about four inches. I've seen reports of them getting up to six inches. But so I'd say four to six inches. Let's just put it there. So not not a monster fish by any means. Like for, for a cichlid, uh, pretty reasonably sized. And... I kept them with lots of different community fish and, and I have never had a problem yet. So I think they're going to be just fine. Now, the constant disclaimer is that any fish that can fit any other fish in its mouth will do so. So if you have tiny little fish and put these in there and they can slurp them down like spaghetti, that's going to happen even though they're peaceful because that's just food. But so when I say peaceful, I don't mean they won't eat other fish if they're tiny and they have an opportunity like any other fish would. I'm just saying they aren't mean, aggressive sons of you know what. Um, so with that, 
Um, we're going to give away three of these tonight. And if you would like to get a mild-mannered, unusual, doesn't get too big earth eater, then to enter, just type hashtag cichlid in the chat. I tried to make it easy. Hashtag C-I-C-H-L-I-D in the chat. Um, I thought of doing like Guyanacara, and I was like, oh man, no, there'll be lots of errors. Like, no one can spell that. <laughs> in the species name, I can't even say, much less spell. So, hashtag cichlid if you'd like to win uh, three of these. They're about two inches right now, give or take a bit. And uh, just keep in mind, they're going to get four to six inches and need a, a, probably a. 40 breeder if they pair off for a pair or like a 55 something like that in time okay i'm gonna try to avoid cough drop number two until i really need to take it so with that the last thing i want to well no i'm going to talk about the warehouse but before i do that i want to talk about um something very briefly um I had a, a moderator reach out to me that there's a, a member of the fish fam in need, color guppies. There's been some serious things going on in their life. And so um, I told Maria Z that she could go ahead and share the events and stuff that are going on to uh, try to support color guppies, Vinay. Um, I know Rico stands involved. I just saw that Rico and, and some other folks. So if you're interested in what's going on, um, Oh man, I'm gonna have to get another cough drop. <coughs> I hate doing that because it's so much sugar. And like by the end of the day, you've been sucking on cough drops all day. Your mouth is just, ugh, it's just gross. Coat your teeth, it's nasty. Anyway, Vinayat Color Guppies uh, could use some help. And so some Fish Fam members are doing some things to help. So I just want to call your attention to it. And uh, if you would, if you're interested, the mods will be listing information to that that you can uh, that you can look at. I, I wish them and and their loved ones and everything the best. Really difficult time right now. Um, and, you know, we don't always talk about that stuff because in a community this big, there's always going to be people having difficult times. And it's like, how do you pick and choose and all that, right? So um, it gets a little dicey. So it makes it a little hard sometimes for me to know what to do. But when my moderators... Uh, want something to happen and know the details more than I do. I have great moderators, so I trust them. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. So, um, Maria Z reached out and was like, this is going on. So I trust Maria with everything and was like, yes, go ahead. So it's Maria's credit that this is happening. Thanks for Maria for bringing this to my attention. I've been pretty preoccupied, uh, building the warehouse and everything going on. So I'm kind of out of touch, but, uh, you know, Maria and some of the other mods know quite a bit about it, and it seems like a real thing. So, I'm, I'm. That's that's why it's happening because they're aware of it. So anyway, let's move on from that. I'd like to talk about the warehouse. It's coming along great. Um, we've, let's see here, been focusing on the water and air supply lately. So we've hung all the water valves and the air valves, and now we're completing the loop. So you want your water and your air to be on a loop so it's all connected so you don't get big pressure differentials. If you just put your water in a pipe and send it down a long pipe, the pressure at the end of that pipe will be very different than the pressure up close to the source, the water source entering the pipe, right? 
So if you put it on a loop, though, it kind of equalizes the pressure. So that's what we've been working on building that. Um, we installed a lot of the light hangers today, um, the little pieces of hardware that the lights sit on. So we're getting the light hardware attached to the tanks, not the lights themselves yet, but just the light hardware. Um, and that's going to be the focus for the next few days. We'll be finishing the water supply loop, finishing the air supply loop, and um, getting the, the light hardware finalized. And when you have this many to do, like, oh, the other thing we're working on is cutting like airline and water line to size so we can go from the valve down to the tank itself, right? And it's amazing, like, usually you need some airline, you go cut it, you put it on your pump, you put it in your tank, you're done, right? When you have this many tanks, man, every, everything you have to do just takes a long time, even small tasks, because multiply that by hundreds and hundreds of tanks, and suddenly it's an hour chore, right? It takes an hour just to cut the line. So, um, but we're working through it. We've made good progress and it really is coming along. And I can't know for sure, but I'm still shooting for March 1st for having everything set up and all the tanks in and, um, and ready to turn on the system and get it going. That's, that's my goal. Can't promise it, but that's what we're shooting for. So once the air valves and that loop and water valves and that loop is all finished and the lighting hardware is all put on. The next big step is the drains. So we'll be installing the, we have floor drain pipes basically sticking up out of the concrete. We'll put our big T on there and, and put our pipes across on the racks so that we can uh, drain the tanks into those pipes. And once that's done, then we can bring the tanks down, paint them, drill them and get them in position. So I, I really think we can do that. Uh, my goal is to have the tanks um, be ready to bring the tanks down the week of the 21st. Hopefully we can do that like the 21st. And if we can start painting and drilling, we'll be done that. Um, I envision that being a three day project, a day to bring them all down and get them set up, a day to paint, um, maybe a four day, a day to drill, and then a day to get them all set. Yeah, it's going to be a four-day project, I think. So if we can coordinate with the, uh, it's a trucking company that's moving the tanks from our warehouse to our new store. Um, if they can get that done by the 21st or so, then I think I think we're on track. I think we could really do it. So anyway, that's the update on the warehouse. That's what's going on on my neck of the woods. Uh, let's find out what's going on with you guys. First, I want to thank my moderators, though. Thank you for all you do. Appreciate you guys being here. Um, I think my moderators are, are amazing. Not only do they volunteer on my channel, but several of them do things across lots of other channels and often do things behind the scenes that people are not aware of to help members of the fish fam or I, the best way I could describe it is there's like certain members of the fish fam that do things that are the glue that kind of hold this whole thing together. And some of my mods are definitely in that category. So I just, I think they're awesome. Not just for what they do here, but do for the fish fam in general. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, let's get to your questions and comments. Let's see here. We've got one here that I missed from Peplin Creek Aquatics. Thank you, Dan. We love color guppies. Um, hearts to Vinay. Yes. And um, people are stepping up and, and I think they'll, they'll get some help. So yeah. Happy to, you know, just announce it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not 
doing that much. It's Maria Z and Enrico Stan and, and other folks um, that are involved to really make stuff happen. Stephen P says, just want to say thank you for letting us share the link to help Vinay. There's never a more worthy cause in the fish fam. Yeah. There's never been a more worthy cause in the fish fam. Yeah. I'm happy to do it. Um, I actually wish I was in the position to like, donate money or, or something like that or do more, but I know every penny we have is going into this build. Like this warehouse build is expensive. Building this new store is very expensive. And I've got a lot of commitments to a lot of people to make it happen. So I can't like take anything from there. And then time is hard just because we're on a deadline to get that done. Um, so I feel like I should do more and I want to do more, but the reality is this is kind of what I can do at this time. So, so that's what we'll do at this time, but you know, hopefully in the future I can do some more. All right, let's get to the questions and the commentario. Here we go. First one I can see because chats jumped a lot is look for fisherman's friend, cough drops, not sugar. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm using. But, but here's the thing. They don't taste sugary, but there is sugar in the ingredients. Now, it's definitely not the top ingredient, which is great. Like, so I've been going through lots of cough drops. Okay, I've been trying lots of cough drops. This one. Oh, these are sugar-free. Okay, yeah. But that's not good either. Like, you know, you eat that artificial sweetener. That's not the best either. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Speaking of fisherman's friend, cheers. But I agree, Chuck. Fisherman's friend is the best one I've found so far. There's 195 people here. Thanks for being here, folks. Appreciate your joining us. Paul Soltero. With amended sections of the Lacey Act targeting less commonly kept fish species, they don't meet some undisclosed import numbers. How do you think it will affect your business? I'm hoping that that bit doesn't pass, Paul. Um, but if we get down, like, and I hope I'm not too late. I am in the process of, of writing a letter up to my to my congressman. Um, so, if there's a whitelist, though, that's going to be a big problem. Yeah, for the hobby in general, there'll be. We'll have to do some some bobbing and weaving, I guess. Yeah, I, imports are the backbone of my business. And so if that goes away, we'll have to pivot pretty hard, figure out another way to, to make things happen. But Paul, they haven't done the vote yet, have they? I hope I'm not too late to write that letter. Um, it's just, there's been a lot going on. But yeah, a whitelist would be horrible. We don't want that. And basically the people that would monitor that would not be nimble enough to satisfy the needs and wants of the the aquarium hobby and you'd end up with this short whitelist that would hardly ever be amended and so it really really curtail what happens in the hobby for sure um adam's aquatic addiction can you explain the loop for the water line in a little more detail i think so um let me see if i can bring up a visual aid because that would probably be the best but yeah paul i'm really hoping that that whitelist proposal does not pass. Um, and, you know, they've tried things like this several times and they have not passed. 
And it doesn't just affect the fish hobby. It affects, man, lots of people. There was someone that left a comment that has like a poultry farm and does pheasants and, and stuff like that. Um, exotic poultry, I guess you would call it. And, you know, they wrote their congressman because that's going to affect them. Like there's a wide range of people it affects. It's not just us. So I'm hoping if enough of us write letters and talk about how it would be a problem for us um, that our representatives would listen. That's my hope. Okay, let me get these documents here. Random Arms, if someone comments that that vote already happened, would you let me know? Yeah, well, you'll see. Okay. Okay, I'm looking for... Get past the house, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I knew it. I didn't even hear about it until it passed the house. I don't think anyone did. I think that's what triggered uh, the response. So I think the best way to talk about this would maybe be to look at this. Okay. So here's a rough layout of an old draft of the warehouse that I could find easily and is pretty clear. So all these blue and black rectangles represent aquariums. So let's say I have an air pump situated right here in the middle. And it's an air, air line that goes across here. And then I stub out and I have a pipe that runs here and a pipe that runs here and a pipe that runs here. And on the other side, the same across this row and this row and this row. But the pipe ends right here at the end of each row. If I turn on that, that air pump, that blower or linear piston pump, then the pressure right here on these aquariums will be a lot higher than the pressure down here on these aquariums because there's these capped ends on the pipe. And I don't, I don't know the physics of it, but um, basically as we get further and further away from the pump, you can get less and less pressure just because of resistance basically. But if you close that loop, so right now you just have individual pipes coming down here and, and ending right here. So if you take those, those individual pipes, these sticks that stick out, and you tie them together into a loop and you take a pipe and you run it here and attach it here and here and here and here. Now you have a uh, pipe running this way, pipes running across each of these rows, as well as a pipe running here and a pipe running here. So it's all tied in and it's basically a loop. What happens there is the pressure down here now becomes equalized more or less. You have a lot less pressure differential than you would otherwise with the tank here because there's no like end for it to go and get lost in or caught in the resistance is less because the air can flow freely in a loop so that's what i mean by that um and hopefully that was enough with just my mouse on that drawing to kind of get the point across so it's the same for water you I talked about air just there, but it's the same for water. You'll get lots of pressure differentials. Um, and you could have a lot more air coming out or a lot more water coming out into the aquarium close to the source than you would the aquarium across the warehouse. So you want to take away that pressure differential. All right, orange cones. Hey, when you get a chance, let me know if tipper tie order is complete or still missing a table so I can follow up with them. Thanks, I will. And I did get your text. I've just been 
A, there's the illness. Then there's last week that big ice storm and winter weather, and we had to cancel the orders, and that created a whole couple days of letting people know and rescheduling and all that. And then building the warehouse on top. So I, I haven't forgot you, Lawrence Cones. <laughs> thanks for thanks for the nudge. Um, and I'll, I'll get back to you as soon as I can find a moment to circle around. I think I'm missing one. I, I, I am. I'm missing one of the stands. We only got one. So we need the second stand. But I don't think it's on the packing slip. So I think everything on the packing slip arrived. But I'll, I'll get a picture and get that to you. And thanks again for your help uh, getting that. Oh, the electrical panel was mailed finally. So that's good news. So we've been waiting on this electrical panel to supply electricity properly to the warehouse. Right now it's all just patched in. <laughs> yeah, um, it's safe, but it's not permanent. Um, so the electrical supply panel was, we got a tracking number Monday. So that's finally actually happening. And uh, I want to thank, uh, there's a gentleman, one gentleman specifically that was really helpful helping us work on a plan B in case we needed it and, and making sure we knew someone had our back that could help us navigate an issue should should it get delayed even more. So I want to thank that person. Um, they know who they are. I don't want to say their name publicly in case they don't, you know, some people don't like their, their business aired publicly. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, my new breeding project coming in. The off chance that Lacey Bill becomes law. Rhodesia, okay, how do you say that? Altapena. How would you set those up? A male, two males, and three females in a 50-gallon is my initial plan. So I'm going to look up this scientific name, but I believe this is one of the barbs. Um, which one? Oh, is South America? No, it's not a barb then. <laughs> I'm way off. Oh, I don't know. I've never seen... Hang on, this is what we're looking at. I've never actually seen this fish um, in person. I don't know much about it. I know it's pretty. I know it's interesting. But uh, Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, I've, I don't know enough about them. I, I, I look forward to learning from you about this fish. If anyone here has kept this fish and bred it, would you uh, chime in and let Mountaintop Puffer Keeper know? Um, and real quick about the Lacey Act. If you love fish, um, and want to keep being able to keep lots of fish and not just have a, a whitelist that says you can now keep guppies and bettas and um, I don't know, glowfish, but you want to keep other stuff too, maybe angelfish is on there and a few others, um, then it's worth taking a moment to write your congressman. Um, it, something that would be really helpful, I think, and really resonate with politicians, policymakers would be if, for example, you happen to be a veteran and fish keeping has um, helped you um, as in, in any way, um, I don't want to presume anything, but, you know, if you're a veteran and fish keeping has helped you to uh, relax or deal with any kind of PTSD or anything else, I'm not an expert. I, I don't want to represent anything wrong here, but if you've had any issues resulting from your service, and the aquarium hobby is mitigating that in any way. Let's put it that way. Um, writing your representative, your congressman or woman, congressperson, I guess we say these days, I'm not even sure. Um, and letting them know, hey, I'm a vet. This really helps me. 
I think that would really resonate with them. Um, if you are in the situation that lots of fish fam members are in where you're recovering from alcoholism or drug use or whatever, and the aquarium hobby is helping you stay out of that and giving you an outlet to help you live a, a more happy, productive life and stay away from those issues. Um, then I think that would really resonate. So there's, there's some things, okay, I don't like to get political on the stream, right? I don't talk politics. I don't talk religion. I don't do that. This is about fish keeping, but this is a political move. The Lacey Act uh, changes to it that could really affect fish keeping. So I feel like I got to talk about it. And there are certain things that politicians want to be known for, like helping veterans and um, helping folks recovering from addiction or dealing with addiction, th things like that. So I do feel like if you have any of those stories, writing those could be super powerful. And if you don't, just writing them and saying, look, this is what I do. This is what I live for, or and that's in my case, this is what I live for. Like, what am I going to do if it goes away? I don't know. Um, I don't want to have to think about that. But, you know, if it's important to you, just let them know that. So you can fill out the standard form and that template and everything. And maybe that's a start. But I feel like if they just get a whole bunch of the same template, that doesn't maybe feel personal. Uh, maybe that's not as effective. But if you can share personally what it means to you that might be more effective. So I'm not a politician. I don't deal in politics that much, so I could be totally wrong, but that's my thoughts on it. But I do think it'd be worth all of us taking just a moment to contact our congressperson. Uh, a letter is probably best, a hard copy letter is probably best. And um, just saying, please don't take this away from me. It's So what I'm going to do is talk to them and say like, hey, I've got this business it's helping bring jobs into this area. It's helping to bring money into this area, this rural area in Wyoming. Um, so that's item number one. Item number two is I don't know that a sweeping federal regulation is appropriate because a fish that might live fine in Florida waters is not going to live in Wyoming waters. So why are you having a one-size-fits-all policy? Like, if there's fish that are we're worried about in Wyoming, let's let Wyoming figure that out. Because what's right for Wyoming's waterways is not necessarily what's right for Florida's waterways. So that's the other thing I'll bring up. I'm talking about um, what it means to me personally. So business, like not really effective. One size fit all doesn't work. What it means to me personally. And then there's another thing that I've forgotten now that I'll be bringing up. Oh, it's like to make it so they can understand, I'm going to talk about gardening and, and say, let's say that you're a gardener and that's what you do to relieve your stress. Well, what if one day the government came down and said, OK, you're a gardener. That's great. You can keep roses. You can keep zucchini and you can keep, I don't know, daisies. And that's it. It's like, well, what about all the other flowers and vegetables I want to grow? <laughs> like, I think if I'm going to make an analogy like that to try to help the representative understand, like, from my view, what it's like, because I think everyone can kind of understand gardening. So that's how I'm approaching it. And I'm not too late. It's been super busy and been dealing with a lot of stuff. But OK. I do think, though, that the most effective um, stories 
will be those that have to do with veterans and uh, with folks recovering from addiction, because those are, you know, things that probably resonate with representatives. Jennifer Weaver, this helps too. Thanks for your time on the stream. Hey, of course, you're, you're welcome. Glad to do it. Happy to be here. Kelly Foreman, I'm glad you're feeling better. Me too, as I almost cough again. <laughs> feeling a lot better than I was, but like, honestly, I feel great. I just have this tickle in my throat. And it kind of, you know, it's hard to sleep when you're randomly coughing all night. My poor wife is so patient. Fantastic Freaks is through down a super chat with a thumbs up pair of sticker. Thank you so much, Fantastic. It's not letting me see um, any kind of comment or anything. It just shows me your your super chat and the amount and the sticker. So if I'm missing the comment, I apologize. Um, I just can't see it. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. It's always great when money falls out of the computer screen. And it does help our little, little uh, nascent business get on its feet and thrive. We appreciate it. Irie 77, are pygmy corridors oxygen sensitive? I keep losing them within a week. Okay, ammonia zero, nitrite zero, nitrate zero, 73. Like, are you, tr by oxygen sensitive, do you mean like, do they have a problem with too much oxygen absorbed in the water? Or are you talking about they need more oxygen? Um, I would not call them oxygen sensitive. I think if you're able to keep other normal aquarium fish in the water, they should be fine too. In fact, Cory's deal with poor oxygen by going up to the surface and taking a gulp of air. They're able to absorb um, oxygen from atmospheric air. So I would say they're actually resistant to too little oxygen. And a lot of Cory's live in places where there's good water flow at the bottom of like rapids and things like that. Maybe the Cory's aren't in super rapidly moving water all the time, but they live in areas where um, there's good oxygenation surrounding them. And so I, I don't think like it would be too much oxygen would do, do it either. With Cory's, what I've found is it's a sourcing issue. There's certain places where I get Cory's and try them and try all kinds of things. And no matter what I did, didn't have success. And then there's other sources where I would get the Cory's and um, this includes pygmies and they would come in and, and be rock solid. So to me, how what I noticed is certain sources, they never do well. Other sources, they do well. So that would be what I would be suspecting is, I don't know where you're getting them from, but wherever their source is, um, might be an issue. It might be time to try a different one or ask them if they can get them from a different source. So that's what I would suggest. I had to look quite a while before I found a source of pygmy quarries where they arrived in good shape reliably. It actually took several years, so I, I know the struggle. <laughs> um, some of you folks that have been here a while have seen me go through that struggle, specifically with quarries, uh, specifically with pygmy quarries in some cases. So, um, yeah, but I would try different sources till you could find one that worked for you. Multi-take addiction, thank you so much. You know, it's always good to get poop if there's a super chat attached to it. Thank you for the pile of fertilizer. I will, I promise you, I will put it to good use. <laughs> okay. Bob Purcell passed Congress currently in Senate. Yeah, I knew it passed the House. 
Um, talk to your senator. It's already out of the house. Right. Yeah. Has been for a little while. Yeah. Um, Mountaintop Buffer Keeper. Like, I, I think I found out about it. Dave, when did you email me? Uh, it's only been a couple days. So I had a lot of time to react, but I'm working on it. Uh, Mountaintop Buffer Keeper. I get the letter emails out soon if you feel inclined. The House bill passed. The Senate is not yet. Yeah. Didn't the House bill pass a while ago, though? I don't know. I need to dig down and, and figure out more about it. But yeah, I plan on doing it soon. It's not like I'm sitting around. I just need to finish it up and get it out. It's hard to find time to actually sit down and get the thoughts out properly. That's what I, that's what I need to do. Uh, Pablo Chin, what if... Add seeded ceramic rings, transfer sand plants. Yes, yes, yes. So you're transferring a bunch of stuff that's bioactive to a new 40 gallons performing chemical cycle. What are the chances that the tank cycles in two weeks? Like really good. Um, if you're, what cycling mean is that is that you're growing a uh, colony of bacteria that will nitrify ammonia and nitrite with the end result of nitrate, right? That's, I think they're two separate colonies if I remember right. But anyway, all you're trying to do to cycle a tank is grow a a population of bacteria or maybe two distinct populations of bacteria. If you're bringing in a bunch of populations of bacteria, it's it's cycled. Um, There's a difference though between that and having a mature tank or uh, as Corey likes to say, what does he say, a seasoned tank. So you can get the bacteria in there and it's technically cycled. It takes a while though for the full balance to, to hit. So you can have the bacteria in there and maybe the ammonia generated by the tank is less than the bacteria can consume, uh, like less food than the whole population needs. So the population goes down in number and then you put in a bunch of fish and suddenly the ammonia level spikes and the bacteria can't consume it all. And now you have the problem. So it's about, or, or the reverse, you, well, the reverse isn't so bad. Like if you have a big bacteria population and enough food for it, um, that's usually not so bad. But what can happen is you're out of balance. You have not enough bacteria for the amount of ammonia being produced and therefore you get an ammonia spike. The difference is free ammonia, which harms your fish. So what I would say is you could do all that and you can totally use um, uh, you know, fishless cycling, chemical cycling to keep feeding that bacteria population you've introduced ammonia so it can keep converting it um so i hope that answers your question but there's a big difference between newly cycled and long-term balanced and that's what we're going for so even though you have the bacteria population um be careful don't get too many fish in there at the beginning um keep checking your values of ammonia for the first several weeks that you have your fish in there to make sure you're, you're in balance as it's seasoning and, and getting mature. Myrtle, to grab Dan's attention, please type at Dan's fish or Dan's fish followed by your comment. Yep. See that when he, when Myrtle does that, it turns bright orange for me, these bright orange boxes. And that's what I look for when I'm going down the chat. So thank you for shouting that out. Pony grill, new believing ram, not eating good color and active treating with general cure. Any advice? Um, well, it, how new is it? If it's like new, new, it could take it a little while before 
it settles in enough to start eating. Or it could be that it's not accustomed to the foods you're feeding yet. So if I had a new ram, I just got it recently, and it looked good and was active and all that, it just wasn't eating, I would try different foods. I would see if maybe some frozen bloodworms would tempt it. You could try just a few live blackworms to see if, if that'll tempt it. Um, if it won't eat live blackworms, then it's not a food issue. <laughs> like if, if it's ignoring those, then it really does have a sickness. But for me, usually when I get new fish in, it can take a week or so before they're eating my foods because they're used to something totally different. So I don't know for sure what it could be, but if it's a new, new fish, I would suspect it could be something like foods it's not accustomed to. Chris Goyette, do you carry substrate? Um, I do not. I only sell live fish. I'm wanting one for shrimp that lowers pH. I want to get a good one that lasts more than a year. So folks, could we hive mine this since I don't know that much about specialized shrimp substrates and all those, you know, fancy soils. Um, would, if you have a substrate that you recommend that's been good long-term, um, and lowers pH and is good with shrimp, would you chime in and let Chris, uh, know what you use? Um, that might be helpful, more help than I could provide. Little Bobby, hey, New Mexico Aquatics, good to see you. Will you be selling any Goodyids anytime soon? I will be selling some Goodyids. I have plans to anyway. Uh, there's a breeder that has some uh, trout Goodyids, Iliad Unfersidens, that I'd like to get my hands on. Um, right now, it's a balancing act between trying to keep some fish in stock and get some fish in stock so the store doesn't you know, completely dry up versus not having too many fish in stock so we still have time to build the warehouse. Um, I do have one source of trout goodies that I do plan on uh, pulling the trigger with pretty soon and trying to get some in because I have some folks specifically looking for them. But it also might have to wait till I get in the warehouse. It's, it's just this, yeah, I'm not quite sure what the timeline will be for that specific species from the breeder that has some available right now. Um, but in the warehouse, I'm not going to be running the temperature cold enough for, for a lot of the good yids. I'm going to be running the temperature 77, 78 degrees. So that's going to curtail um, a lot of what can be done good yid wise. Just it'll be a temperature barrier. Samuel, I wrote my senator, then found out she is one of the biggest pushers of the Lacey Act. Yeah, I mean, you can only do what you can do, right? I, I get it. Chat's about to jump. Hang on. Um, okay, yeah. Chat jumped. I'm scrolling to look. Okay, hang on. We're going. We're going. It jumped big time, so it's going to take me a moment. Fantastic Freaks. Nope, you're good. There wasn't a comment. Just three bucks. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Thanks, Fantastic, for letting me know. Nice looking tank behind you, too. What's all in there other than the rose lines and the archers? So, um, not a lot. We do have some electric blue Akara. I don't know how well they're showing up on camera. Got some steel blue 
don't know if you can see them, but some steel blue epistos that are in there, a little breeding colony that just keeps perpetuating and has for years in there. And then we have a really old colony of skunk quarries, Corridors arcuatus. I don't know if you can see those down here on the substrate or not. Um, and then there's a Siamese algae eater in there and some L183 plecos. Um, and that's the tank. It's not like a hugely stocked tank. There's a lot of free room in there, but that's, that's kind of how I like it. Orange cones. What species of fish would you like to see bred in captivity that is not currently commonly done? Almost any killifish. Almost any fundalopanchax, nothobronchius, or aphiosimian species. The epiplates species are neglected a lot. Um, yeah, almost any of your killifish. And for those of you that are not familiar with killifish, here's why. Check these out. Okay. This is one genus of killifish. These are from West Africa. This is absolutely stunning. These are called Fundalopanchax. Lots of different species. My absolute favorite of all time are these. They're gardneri. But there's many, many different species of Fundalopanchax. And if you just, you know, briefly scroll through here, each one is prettier than the last. Like, they are just absolutely stunning, stunning fish. I like this one a lot. Emiata. These are really pretty. So... You know, be a shame if these disappeared. Another beautiful genus is uh, Nothobronchius. Just take a gander of these. And there's lots of them. We're just going to see a few. Really interesting fish. Really pretty. Lots of them are easy to breed uh, in aquariums. Aphiosimian. Same thing, just stunning little fish that are not commonly available, but in general are pretty easy to, to breed and raise. Platys. These are surface dwellers, like, like little pikes. Lamodii right here, these are awesome like that purple and blue. They really do look like a nice purple fish uh, in person. Then there's all the South American annual species. Um, uh, there's many, many genre of them, many of which are great for aquariums. I think the killifish hobby, okay, it's a great hobby and I love it. But I think it shot itself in the foot a little bit just because typically keepers keep one or maybe two pairs of each species. They want to keep lots of different species. And so what that means is that um, species frequently disappear because there's only a few here or a few there. No one's got like, there aren't like people with large stocks. So if you lose one female or one male, it can wipe out that species from your collection if there's only a few people that have them, you know, pretty quickly, you can have some issues. Um, also, they aren't typically by your typical killifish hobbies raised in large enough numbers to really distribute and get established in any kind of meaningful way numbers wise. And so 
I, I think that just that habit of having one or two pairs of each species generally, um, while fun and do your hobby how you want, like Killy dudes watching respect. Like this is not me saying you should do it another way. Uh, this hobby is supposed to be enjoyable and for fun. And if, if that's the way it's fun for you, that's great. I'm not suggesting you should do it any other way, but I am saying that one of the ramifications of that is lots of these amazing species are not well established in the hobby and are difficult to find and often disappear. And if we can't recollect them or find someone in Europe that has someone we can get or something like that, um, you know, it's hard to, there's lots of species I've seen come and go in the hobby over the years, just because of how we keep killifish in small numbers. So, um, I, I would be thrilled if someone took it upon themselves to, to set up a killifish breeding room or something where they could breed decent numbers of a species. I'd much rather see someone raise decent numbers of one species of killifish um, than raise like, you know, 50 species in, in tiny little numbers. And again, I'm talking from an industry's perspective here. I'm not talking about hobbyists just trying to have fun. That's, that's fine. <laughs> right. But that's what I'd say. Everyone loves killifish and no one can get them just because um, how killifish hobbyists operate does not lend itself to distribution in any kind of real numbers. Dragon layer. Actually, this is a good bill. Um, just this Lacey Act add-on rider is bad. Yeah, the, the last bit that they threw on at the end, the whitelist and all that. Just the rider needs to be taken out before they pass it in the Senate. Okay, so so that's a good point, Dragon Lair. Um, and the, that is a distinction I did not make. It is this last-minute rider add-on that has the, the whitelist and all that. So they're just kind of tacking this on, kind of a sneaky way to get it through, right? So good point, Dragon Lair. We don't necessarily need, and you know, your politics are yours, not just you, Dragon Lair, but everyone. Your your politics are yours, so you decide for yourself. But I think that the Dragon Lair is right on. That's that add-on rider is the bit that um, that concerns us as hobbyists. But I also, yeah. So maybe maybe the person that commented earlier that they wrote their representative and they're pushing the Lacey Act, maybe you can say, that's great. The act's awesome. If you think that way, but there is this bit that is really concerning. So that might, you know, mitigate things there again. <laughs> I, I, I'm not trying to get political and my political advice is probably horrible, but if someone is vested in the Lacey Act and you say, Hey, I don't want that to pass. That's not going to do any good. But if someone's vested in the Lacey Act and you're like, actually, go forward. But but this bit here is a real problem for me. Maybe they can still push the thing that's important to them forward and still give you what you need. There's there's a little compromise there. Chonsworth, any concerns on mixing goby species in the same tank, smaller ones, Sicyopus and Stiphodons? Um, not really. In fact, I like mixing Sicyopus and Stiphodons together because they have different food sources. So I can put an algae wafer in the tank and the stiphodons will eat it all day long. And then I come back in the evening and I can feed some frozen bloodworms for the Sicyopus because they're little carnivores, right? Um, so I like mixing those two species together. 
if you get a big size differential, that could be a uh, really this user's name. I'm gonna that that could be an issue. But besides that, I think they're fine. I do it all the time. This user's name is Smelly Butthole. Yeah, that's getting they're getting banned. That's uh oh, did someone already do it? Just the message. How do I actually delete the user? I'll come back. I'll figure that out. Like, really? <laughs> We're trying to make this uh, an okay channel for kids and families and stuff to watch. So that's not going to fly. One of my mods, do you know how to like actually ban that person? Yeah, did. They did? Okay, good. Thanks. Random Arms is saying, you guys are on it. I figured. I just saw that the message had been deleted, but if we could just get that troll out of here, that'd be good. Okay, cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so so folks, no matter what, like, like there's plenty of places on the internet where you can go and, and talk about controversial things and and use whatever kind of language you want and all that. This is not one of them. Um, and the reason is, is I want the eight-year-old kid who's interested in fish to not be shut out because the content's not appropriate. So... I'm not saying I want to infantilize all of you, but let's make this a place where kids that are interested in the hobby can come and participate just as actively as the, you know, as, as adults. And um, maybe we can help a new generation of hobbyists, right? Um, I had that growing up. I didn't have it in a YouTube format, but I had local fish clubs and things that um, it would have been devastating to me as a kid if I couldn't go to because they were doing things that I, I couldn't participate in. My parents would be like, you're not going there anymore, right? That would have been horrible. So let's make this a place where everyone, no matter what their age or their, you know, belief system or tolerances for, you know, content and things can, can come and just, it's about fish. That, that's what we're doing here. And now outside of this, we can do other things, but this is about fish when we're here. Um, so usernames like smelly butthole just are not going to fly. Mountaintop Overkeeper. I'll keep you posted on those Rhodesia Altapina. Why did I think they were barbs? <laughs> As I learn and eventually breed them. I didn't even know they existed until last week. I'm looking forward to working with them. Cool. Right on. Oh, is there a Doc and Sona Rhodesia? Okay, I have to answer this question. Um, Rhodesian barb. I think it's Dickensia Rhodesia, right? Let's see here. Now I can't even spell it. Barb? Rhodesia Barb? What is it? Dachinsia? Oh, Rohana. That's what I was thinking of. I was thinking of Rohana. Somehow I got Rhodesia... In Rohan, I mixed up. Okay, that answers that. That's exactly the fish I was thinking of when I read it the first time. Okay, we're at 196. That's okay. We're, we're holding strong. 196 ain't nothing to sneeze at. Dennis Christensen, I received an email from Amazonas about this bill on February. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. I. Let's see here. So, what, five days ago? Yeah. I. My Amazonas notifications go to a specific folder. Uh, not to my main inbox, though. So I don't always see those things right away. 
Yeah, I know Amazon has sent out a, a blast about it, though. I did see mine uh, recently. Okay. Let's see here. Chat jumped, which is why the silence as I scroll frantically looking for current chat. Here we are. Um, are you going to do a fish moving day video? Oh, I don't think that'd be that interesting. We're going to throw fish in five gallon buckets and drive them down the road two minutes to the warehouse. Um, but maybe. Honestly, though, it's been like all hands on. Like it's anytime we find some time, we go over and we build. And we don't film much because anytime you film, it just takes a lot more time and we want to get this thing done and we just don't have any free time. So I, I thought we'd do more videos. I wanted to do more videos. I still do. And we may be able to do some, but when it's like, Hey, it's a massive project and here's the deadline, you know, it makes it hard. Kelly Kimmin. Hey, do you or will you have female Scarlet Battis? I really want to get a trio. No. Um, all the ones are males. As far as I can tell, I haven't seen a female in over a year, and even then, that might have been a male. It's really hard to tell when they're colored down completely. All, I think every time I've ever thought I had a female in the past um, and separated it, it ended up coloring up into a male. A, a immature or subdominant or colored down male is very hard to distinguish from a female. So I might not have ever seen a female, actually. Um, I think I have a few times, but not quite sure. Paul Soltero, be careful with the analogies you make connecting gardening. Too many introduced things in horticulture. Yeah, okay. Hammer them with the kudzu, kudzu card. Um, okay, so let's let's say let's say food then. Oh, you like cooking? That's your thing. You're a foodie. You enjoy cooking. Try new recipes. Awesome. That's great. You're now allowed to have scrambled eggs. Um, I don't know, um, beef Wellington and, uh, tofu stir fry. That's your white list. Well, what about all the hundreds and thousands of other foods I want to try? Nope. That's you. You have three. That's your white list, but I could eat like, I don't know, um, a, a hamburger and make a hamburger. That wouldn't hurt anyone. Yeah, but it's not on the list. Well, could you put the hamburger on the list? No, there's this whole long process that ain't never actually going to happen. Okay. I guess you got to get used to, uh, what was it? Beef Wellington and whatever the other things were. <laughs> Tofu stir fry. To grab Dan's attention. Yes. Okay. Thanks, Myrtle. Letting folks know to make it at me so I see them. See them, them chats. Josh, are Gaonicara good with plants? So yes and no. Um, I kept mine with floating water sprite and did not have a problem, but I have read reports. They are an omnivore and I've read reports that they will eat plants. I've never seen it. It did not happen to me. And I don't know how good those sources are. A lot of times people just, oh, it's an herbivore. Okay. We'll put a thing in here about they eat plants. So, you know, it's a CYA type thing, but, um, I have not experienced it, but I've read that they can Swamp Thing, Lacey Act, I had no idea. Thank you for the heads up. Yes, you are You are welcome. Um, yeah. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't pass. That would be, that'd be no bueno. Patrick Hardy, throwing down a super jet with a pair. Doing a mic drop. Hopefully he's not. Would you please drop the mic and get off stage already? <laughs> <laughs> 
<coughs> ah, cough is back. All right. Come on, fisherman's friend. So, I mean, I guess that's one way to interpret a mic drop. <laughs> I'm just teasing, Patrick. Thank you so much for the super chat. Always appreciated, never required, but it does make my wife super happy when we get super chats. All right. Fishaholic saying howdy to everyone at the Fish family. Well, howdy right back. Mikey M, 78 years ago, a scientist from Germany visited my friend to clip the tip of a fin for a DNA sample from a killifish. Oh, awesome. Yep. Yep. I mean, they'll do lots of things. Uh, a lot of times, being an avid killifish hobbyist means either traveling to remote areas to collect your own or knowing someone who does. Like Dr. Brian Waters uh, out of Canada used to go around and collect tons of Nothobronchia species. And uh, if you knew Brian, you could get a lot of them. And, and you didn't even have to know him. He, he tried to distribute them. Um, Barry Cooper was another guy who would get lots of different Nothos and breed them and distribute them. Um, there's some guys really dedicated to going down to South America and getting the different, um, I'm going to call them Sinolebius, but there's Sinolebidiae. I don't know what the that group is called, but all those South American annuals. Um, yeah. But again, a lot of them are not sustained because of how they're done. John Gallagher, I recently discovered a fish I've never kept. I love it and want more. Pandagar. Yes. How much fun is that? One video I want to make. I don't know when I'll have time, but I mean, it, it's, it's like Pandagar rugby. So we've got a big old group of Pandagar in this 75 gallon, right? Right over, right over there. And um, we feed them about five wafers or pellets every day. Five big like algae wafers, let's say. And it's you put them in and it's so fun because they mob it. And you get these five different teams just wrestling this ball around. And it looks like a, rug, a rugby scrimmage. It's scrum. It's just super fun. So I'm going to make a video. I don't know, maybe set up some little goals on the ends and see which which group gets their wafer through the goal first. I think that could be fun, but again, time, 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 time. But yes, they're super entertaining. Pandagar are amazing in, in pretty much every way. So if you're looking for unique fish, that you could do worse for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Myrtle, just use your streaming setup and make a 4K stream of the whole moving process. Yeah, I would like to do that. Problem is, my whole streaming setup is a lap, is a, uh, a desktop. So um, you kind of have to have like a mobile camera. And I'm kind of tethered to this spot for live streams. Oh, let me say this. I'll do what I can. But it is going to hold up like getting the warehouse done and getting moved in. I can't do it. Um, so I'm not saying I can't make a video. I'm just saying I have to be careful because there's a lot to do. Do a fish moving video set to the theme of the Benny Hill show. <laughs> I like it. Or Monty Python. All things fish. Good evening. Well, good evening. Right back at you. Good to see you. Finally catching a stream. Yeah, I know. It's, it's been a while. Hope all is well. Breeding is pleasure. Three times equals world peace and golazo. Good to see you. Hope you're doing well. Um, hope the pilot's life is treating you well. 
Hobbies1911. I currently have five gi on a car with guppy grass. They don't touch it, but it's probably conditional on feeding, etc. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's two folks did not did not experience uh, problems with plants in Gyanacara. I always say Gyanacara. Gyanacara, I think. Acara from Guiana, French Guiana, and Suriname. Um, what's the plan for the new warehouse if the act passes and interstate shipping isn't allowed anymore? I don't know yet, Hobbies, or Hobbs, not Hobbies, Hobbs. Um, again, I just learned about this a little while ago, so I don't wrap my head around it yet. Let's hope it doesn't pass. But we'll have to come up with some kind of different thing. I have not. That's a big question, and uh, I haven't wrapped my head around it. All things fish. In Iowa, we have a dry winter. Water levels are down. It'll be a dry year. Are there restrictions on the amount of water you can pull from the stream with regards to drought conditions? No, because it's not consumptive use. So basically what I'm doing is taking water from the stream, filtering it, and returning it to the stream. So since I'm not consuming the water, I'm not taking the water out of the stream and watering crops with it or something and not returning it to the stream, right? Um, I'm not affecting the level of the stream. So since it's non-consumptive use, no, I'm, I'm good for a million gallons a day um, for that. I mean, I suppose there could be a case where um, the state, we're in severe drought and the state says, okay, all water permits are, you know, suspended for the foreseeable future for whatever. But that's, that's like a doomsday scenario type thing. And I don't think that would happen. Um, and I did talk to my, the state engineer's office about this, who are the ones that give the permits for water usage. And they did say that since you're non-consumptive, um, there would be no benefit to us to, to limiting your draw, basically. Christy Keming, what's your favorite centerpiece fish and nanofish? So I'm a little different. My favorite centerpiece fish are nanofish, just big groups of them. Um, so when I often will have a large tank and a ton of one species of small fish in it. I think they just look awesome in big, big groups. So rather than have one big fish, I, I often do a, a group of little fish. And um, let's see. What's one that has really caught my eye lately? Hmm. I really like the Celestial Pearl Danios. We just sold out, but we had a big group of them. And so they were bold and big and fat and healthy and were out and about everywhere. I really like those. Nanofish, but keep enough of them. They can be a centerpiece. Um, I still really like the Miyuki white rice fish. They just glow. I think they're awesome. A big group of those is just phenomenal. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing one. If I was forced to choose a, like a standard big centerpiece fish, um, this is going to be weird, but I have some beta anabatoides that I really like. They're a giant beta species, um, one of the largest. 
about five inches or so full grown, maybe a little bigger. And um, they're not real flashy or anything, but they're really unique. And I really like, like when they do color in, it's this subtle green that I really like. So that's interesting. And then another one I like, again, only in a group though, are African knife fish. I like a big group of those. Um, they're super interesting behavior wise and how they swim is just mesmerizing the way their fin undulates. Um, it's just really interesting. They go forward and backward and they're like little hummingbirds the way they can navigate a lot more agile than a lot of fish as far as the, well, I don't know if they're more agile, but they can move in directions fish normally can't. And it's cool to watch. Mitchell, hi, I have a group of, um, oh, something. They do the food rugby thing as well. Gobies and the like are just funny. Okay, what is this? What is this goby type species? I want to look this up because I don't recognize the name. All right, so here's what Mitchell's talking about. Oh, the desert goby. Okay. I should have known that. Yep. Pile on the food. Yep, for sure. For sure. Those are fun. Desert gobies are little clowns. They are super fun to watch. Okay, can I click on this without... Okay, I can. All right, 212. The chat just jumped. Hang on, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Here we go. Mikey M. Brian Waters got a fish named in his honor, in his honor, Nothobronchius Waters Eye. Some people in our Scandinavian Killy Club have experienced the same. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I, I think, I think Doctor Waters deserves it. That guy's did so much for the killifish hobby and our understanding of them. He would uh, not only would he um, bring a lot of species into the hobby, but he also described a lot of species. Um, yeah, it really increased our knowledge. He was a super nice guy, too. Met him a few times at, like, West Coast Weekend, back when that happened. That was a uh, killifish convention that happened uh, in the Bay Area in California that I used to go to as a kid. I miss that. That was awesome. Yes, my favorite is CPDs and Mandaka, too. I have both the Blue Sparkle Mandakas. Awesome. All right, Christy, look, look, great. My, uh, clearly a, someone of good taste. <laughs> Deb Hall, put 20 chili raspberries in a 20 long. Yep. Their schooling wonderful, wonderfully surprised me. Yeah. A group of chili raspberries, absolutely stunning. Um, one more from Mikey M. Worse for a European killi legend breeder collector. Some killi fish in a small pond get named after him and his girlfriend by a scientist. Then they separated. <laughs> the fish remains in the pond. That's funny. That's funny have the fish named after you and your partner and then separate. Yeah. Someone was a little, uh, had a, someone had a little bit of extra faith in that relationship, huh? Don Gallagher centerpiece, a bunch of long fin white clouds. Yes. That's beautiful. Bunny Viper. Any chance you'll ever get in Emerald tiger barbs? I don't know. Um, I like tiger barbs. It, there, there's a lot of fish. I like that. It does not make sense business wise for me to carry just because you can get them other places. Um, if you can bet, get them at like Petco and PetSmart and they're like ubiquitous, then it's a little hard to justify me carrying them when you can 
jog down to your local big box store and get one for a few bucks, right? But that being said, what I am finding is um, there are people that are willing to pay more for a, let's call it quote unquote, cheap fish, right? Fish that you would expect to only pay like two or three bucks for your local big box store. Um, I can't sell for that price. I, I would literally go out of business. I'd lose money. I have to sell a fish for at least $6 or I'm losing money. And I don't mean like I'm not making enough profit. I mean, I'm literally hemorrhaging money and the company won't be able to make the money it needs to do the next order, right? Keep inventory in stock. So, but I, I have found that, um, when I have things like, uh, your, your standard carry tetras, your cardinal tetras, your ember tetras, things like that, that they are moving quicker or, or better than I thought they would at like the $6 price point. Um, so I might experiment a little bit once we get into the warehouse and get things checked up or uh, get things uh, settled in and everything. But I'm not sure. Um, if I can find a fish that's harder to find elsewhere and has a higher price point, business-wise, it tends to make sense to get that. I do think that as we expand, there is a bit of an opportunity and maybe even a bit of a responsibility to get some kind of beginner type fish in for the the novice, the novice who's just starting out maybe, um, to get maybe a few of those fish in, just to help people start out, right? If you're in the fish business, it's probably a good idea to, to nourish the hobby, uh, help new folks get started. And not all of my fish are, are gonna be good for new folks because they're hard to find or expensive and what have you. So I might do some of that just to nurture the next generation. But in that case, I don't know if I do tiger barbs just because of the aggression issues. I'd want to choose something that's kind of foolproof, that if you put it in with other little fish, it, you know, you wouldn't have any problems with aggression or nip fins and things like that. So there's a lot of things to consider, Bunny Viper, from a business point of view about every fish we bring in. Every fish we bring in is very carefully considered. The only time it isn't is when I order something and then the supplier just sends me something random. It's like, oh, I guess I have these now. <laughs> Thanks for the Mangano cichlids. <laughs> I thought I'd ordered rams. <laughs> um, Paul Soltero, snake, uh, snakeskin barbs and ruby tetras are up there for me. Yep, I, the snakeskin barbs, when they truly color, also the, the um, pentazona, the five-banded barb and the six-banded barb, hexazona, pentazona, those and the snakeskin barbs, when they really color in, they, they are breathtaking. That is true. Fish still swim together in a pond. Yep. So they're still together, even though they're not. Desert gobies were the very first egg layer I actively bred. Did you inactively breed others? <laughs> Eventually you can feed them bloodworms from your hand. Great fish. Oh yeah, absolute personable little fish. I agree. Okay, I'm gonna get to... <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, guys. A little, little bit of residual cough still. I think what we should do... Let me wet my whistle. All right. Let me control my cough. And then we'll do the giveaway. And while we're waiting for the giveaway drawing to finalize, 
210 people here. Must be giveaway time. Um, oh, now we're at 207. Every time, man, every time I mention the number, it just starts dropping. It never fails. Hey, <laughs> jinx my own viewership just by commenting on it. Um, so, and while we're waiting for the giveaway to finalize, I'll answer a few more. We've got five more minutes. So, the giveaway tonight is for three Gianacara species name. I'm not going to try to pronounce. Oh, with what was it? Yeah, I uh, can't remember. I can't say it. Oh, with now I got to look it up. Uh, Oroefi. That's what I'm going for. No, let's call it Wi-Fi. That's easier. Oroefi. <laughs> Oro. Oroefi. I think is how you actually say it. these guys. Um, they're not for everyone. They're going to get possibly up to six inches. Probably four to four to five, but maybe as as many as six inches. So you're going to end up needing at least a forty breeder for say a pair maybe 55, something like that. So make sure you have an adequate tank for them to grow into. They're currently about two inches. Um, Create little cichlid, not super aggressive, kind of like geophagus or gymnogeophagus in, in temperament. And I realize those are large groups of fish and some are more peaceful than others. There's some variants, but the point is they aren't just bloodthirsty killers like, like some of our cichlids are. Um, so if you would like to be entered to win a few of those. Hopefully you've already entered, hashtag cichlid. We're gonna draw the winner now. And the winner is Xanadudu. Xanadudu, didn't you win like a few weeks ago? Yeah, you won the the, the Horned Sunset Gara. Xanadudu strikes again, congratulations. As you know, you've got two minutes to chime in. Um, and respond and uh, let us know you're here because you do have to be present to win. And uh, so we'll check back in a couple of minutes and make sure that has happened. All right, while we're waiting, some good centerpiece fish uh, suggestions. I, I like those. Okay, crown tail half moon. How do you cure cloudy eyes and discus and angels? So the first thing I would probably do, crown tail half moon, is nothing. Um, I know that's not, why that? Um, because usually that can clear up on its own. Not always, but if you if the parameters are good and the water is clean, I would probably do nothing. I just keep them in clean water, and usually that can heal up. Now, if it doesn't, if you're doing that, and it's like no, it's getting worse, and you need to step in, then then maybe you try some salt, five grams per liter. So we're talking five parts per thousand salt is what I use. Um, that'll kill plants, that'll affect some things. So if it's a nice planted tank, you might need to move the discus and angels to another tank, the affected ones. Um, try some salt. If that doesn't work, then I would move on to antibiotics. I'd probably start with, um, my, my standard is canamycin and nitrofurazone because it treats so many things. Treats all kinds of gram-negative bacteria. Um, <laughs> Xanadudu just chimed in. I'm here, not rigged. <laughs> we won't tell him. Um, I want to offer them to color guppies benefit somehow. Okay. Let's see. We will figure that out, Xanadudu. I will um, 
I'll do this. I'll contact Rico Stan um, and maybe Maria Z um, to find out how to do that. But we could, we could, what could we do? We could do a gift certificate, a dance fish gift certificate in the amount of three um, Guyana Cara along with shipping because I would cover shipping. So how much would that be? Let's take a look here. Stefan said there's an auction on Saturday for it. Yeah, put it, yeah, for the auction. That's what I'm thinking. Um, so hang on real quick. Let's take a quick field trip. I think they're like, what are they, 25 bucks maybe? Uh, 20 bucks each. Okay. Plus shipping three of them would be 29. So 60 plus 30. Uh, we might as well make it 100. So we'll do a $100 gift certificate for the auction is what we'll do. Um, whoever I send that to, could you reach out? If not, I'll just contact Maria Z or Rico Stan or something to, uh, to try to figure that out. So yeah, uh, thanks Santa Dudu. Uh, that frees up enough cash that I, I think Dan's fish can donate a hundred dollar gift certificate to the uh, benefit auction. So we'll, we'll just make that a plan. Sounds good to me. I've missed some super chats. Kids aquatics and exotics. Saying hi, yeah, hi right back at you, Bob. Great to see you. Thanks for everything, Patrick Hardy. <laughs> keep it up, man. <laughs> that that working out pair. That's that's actually what I look. Okay, this is actually what I look like when I work out. See this pair? Oh, I can't zoom in. I can't. Can I? Okay, I want to. This is hilarious. That's me working out, like just muffin topping my way around the gym. Yep. That's right. <laughs> Thank you for the super chat. Always appreciated. Never required, but it's super helpful. And Patrick Hardy with a goal. Um, yes, a goal super sticker. The best. Um, ah, man, I want to do Golazo, but there's no way I could do that with my throat how it is. All right. I think that's time, guys. It's 831. Um, usually, Punchy Paints goes after me in about half an hour at 9 Mountain Time. Well, that would be 11 Eastern. So, um, I'm not quite sure if Punchy's going next, but it's worth checking out if you want to some more fishy nerdy talk along with some cool art. Um, Punchy Paints is usually going live in about half an hour. So I want to start by thanking my moderators. Thanks for all you do. I really appreciate you all. Uh, thanks to everyone that threw money at us. Super chats are amazing. Um, you know, never required. I'll still read other comments and stuff, but every little bit does help. We are a, uh, we're, we are a little startup company. So things are lean. We're making ramen wages and making this thing go. Uh, Xanadudu throwing down $50 shipping for the auction giveaway thing. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Thanks. That will actually cover that after YouTube takes its cut. So I appreciate that. I miss one. Kelly Foreman. Love the generosity of this awesome community. Me too. I think it's a healthy community and I think spontaneously helping each other out, um, is a good, uh, One, one method to gauge a community's health, um, not, not the whole method, but one metric by which we can say, Hey, look at all these people jumping in to help each other and all that that happens here frequently. And so, uh, and I've been the recipient of it sometimes. Um, so happy to help in any way I can. And, uh, I think we're awesome as well. We're let's, let's all just take a moment 
to pat ourselves on the back because we are awesome. Few communities online and stuff I feel are, are as gelled as we are. It's a it's a special thing. I, I hope we realize that and nurture it. Um, okay. Anyway, what was I talking about? Free money, mods. Yeah, thanks to everyone that had a a comment or a question and making this interactive and lively. I appreciate that. Everyone that's a lurker, hail the lurker nation. If you are watching on the replay, then hi. And if you're listening on the podcast, thanks for listening. And thanks to uh, Michael Mellier for making that happen every week. Appreciate it, Michael. We got one more from Sandy Farrell to help with shipping for the auction. Sandy, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's attend that auction. Help Color Guppies Vinay out. And uh, until then, have a good one. I'll be back next Wednesday at uh, same time. Same bat time, same bat channel. Till then, I hope you guys have a good one. I'm actually signing off now. This has been a three-minute sign-off, so I should probably actually do it. So, (laughs) (laughs) bye-bye.